For those of you that don't know who our soloist was here, that's Eden and her husband Pepe. They are moving to Mexico. Uh, so we're reluctantly sending them out. Now, will y'all be with us next week? Maybe? Okay. Next week, we're going to uh, prepare to pray over them and bless them. But I want to tell you publicly what a joy both of you have been to pastor. A joy. And your gifts, your countenance, and the love of your family is a precious memory to this pastor and to our church. And we just love and appreciate you both very, very much. And because you're following the Lord's will, we'll let you go. Outside of that, we're mad with you. Mad with you. Stand with me, if you will, one more time just for the reading of God's Word. Matthew seven, twenty-one through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many, say that with me, many, will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many mighty wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Before you're seated, let's just look at this verse, this passage, and then we'll get into this morning's message. I don't know of any unbelievers, or professing unbelievers, called the Lord by the name Lord. I never did before I was born again. So what this implies is that those that follow him, there are many that follow him, that call him by a name, and there's never been an active work of God's grace in their heart. Because salvation is not about us knowing God, it's about God knowing us. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knoweth them that are his. They will act surprised. Did we not cast out devils? Wasn't there some type of working in our life? Wasn't there some sort of fruit from ministry? Didn't we do great things? And he said, the key issue is this, I don't know you. And so this word this morning, it's a very direct word, but it's a powerful word that has the capacity to illuminate dark areas of our life. And I don't want anyone that comes to this church to go into eternity with a history of attending church and serving the idea of God and never knowing God. So I want to speak to you on a very direct subject this morning, but it's a life-giving subject. It's not a condemning word, it's a liberating word. I want to speak to you on the subject of why some people are saved and why others are not. I don't want to be in that group of people that call him a name and him say, I don't even know who John Wood is. To work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. So let's pray together today. Lord, I pray for the capacity this morning to preach your word with clarity and with power. I'm, I, you know my heart. I am not looking to impress people. I am not looking for a compliment. But I don't want to come across as that guy that preaches on hell so strong. Like he wants people to go there. Or he comes across with an attitude or an edge. But I ask, O oh Lord, that you would let me preach it so clear that it would be like an arrow into the heart of your people. Let us make a sure, a sure, a certainty that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I thank you for the power of your word. It's a mirror that shows us clearly where we are and where we stand. And that there are those in this room, O oh Lord, that are born again, but they're far from you. And the hour is too short and the day is at hand. Let us run back to the nearness of Christ's bleeding side today, I pray. 
In Jesus' name I ask these things and I count them done, O Lord. Amen. Before the return of the Lord, there's going to be and there is a famine of the word of God. There's not a famine of religious activity. There's not a famine of, of life groups. There's not a famine of teaching, preaching, but there's a famine of the declaring. See, there's part of a, a preacher's role that we communicate, but the gospel is to be preached, which means it's a one-sided declaration. It's an announcement, a pronouncement of truth. When I took my little boy, Elisha, to the hospital, I'm just telling you how it is with me. I didn't want to do the talking. I wanted the doctor to tell me what the issue is. I want to hear from him, the knowledgeable one, the trained one, the educated one. I didn't come to him telling him what he should do for Elisha. I wanted to hear from him. Another thing, I didn't want him to tell me what I wanted to hear. I didn't want him to tell me good news. I wanted him to tell me the truth. And so when we're looking for truth, we don't need to check with preachers, pastors, priests, prophets, bishops, rabbis. We need to check the word of God for ourselves, stand in front of that mirror and know for a certainty who we are and whose we are. And I don't want to be that guy that tells you just what you want to hear. I want to be an encourager. I want to be someone that makes you feel near to God and next to God. I want for there to be life change. But I, see, when I stand before him, you're not going to be there. And I'm going to give an account for every word, every message. And this morning, I am preaching to you. I want you to ask yourself, am I his? Is there any doubt? And as we look through these scriptures, I'm preaching to those that don't call yourself a believer as well. And by the end of this service, I pray that the miracle-working power of God's Spirit will recreate your soul and you'll know that you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So, if you're waiting for me to preach, I think I already started. I did just a little bit right then. Number one, we all have the same standing before God. All of us. We are guilty. There is none righteous, Romans 3 says, no, not one. We've missed the mark, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have corrupt DNA. The Bible tells us in Romans 1 that sin by one man entered into the world. That's Adam, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. We are not sinners because we have sinned. We have sinned because we are sinners. Adam was a sinner. His children came through his DNA. The DNA of sin was passed on all the way down to your great-grandmama, your great-grandmama, your grandmama, your mama, and now you. And when I get to heaven, I want to kick Adam right in the shins, just as hard as I can kick him. Well, we can say that, but had he not been the one, his children would have been the one. So we are guilty before God. Well, I'm a good man. You're a good, guilty man. And we have... a. We have an age, a dispensation where no one will preach our guilt. We try to tell people good news and leave the cancer of their own sin inside of them. You are guilty. And your sin and my sin has separated us from God. We have a corrupt DNA. You don't believe it? Put your two-year-old in a sandbox with somebody else's two-year-old and one toy. Your baby will pick up a Tonka truck and split his eye with it. Bam! Well, what happened, Junior? So sweet. He's never done nothing like that before. All the babies in the house got stitches. Junior does it every week. My baby's the one that gets hit. He, yeah, he peached him before he hit him. See, you don't know. They, they all got it. 
We have unmistakable symptoms. The works of the flesh. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 5 that the doings, the practices of our flesh are clear. They're obvious. Immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, divisions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. And here's the word of God. And I warn you beforehand, just like I did previously, that those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Shall not. So you're saying that because I do those things, they disqualify me from heaven. No. I'm saying that those that are born again cannot do those things habitually. There's a difference. It's not just semantics. It's not, so you mean if I party and uh, have a one-night stand, I go to hell. No, what I'm saying is born-again believers, uh, th the idea of them living a contrary life, it's not that we don't stumble. There's grace for that. But the ones that practice those things, that's the evidence that they've never been recreated. They've never been born again. I had a lady one time tell me, she goes, I'm mad at your preacher. I was a youth pastor. I'm mad at him. Why? He told my nephew he wasn't saved. I said, he probably wasn't saved. That, that vein come up on the head, you know, and she, her wig tilted off to the side. It made her so mad. How, how, how can you say that? So we can't judge no one's heart, but saved people, born again people, we may have sins in our life that are forgiven, but we never justify them or flaunt them or call evil good. God's word is clear. The unbeliever, these symptoms. How many of you before you're a believer, almost all of them darts hit you? You go, uh, indecency, yes. Strife, yes. Immorality, yes. Selfishness, yes. Okay, so I got the symptom. Odds are, if you got the symptoms, what's the old adage? If it walks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, you probably got a duck on your hands, more than likely. And these symptoms show our spiritual condition. We have unmistakable symptoms. We have an aversion to God's light. Unbelievers and backsliders have an aversion to God's light. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be approved. That's why there is such a media blitz to discredit the word of God because we don't want to get near the light. I didn't know this till I got married. And guys, maybe you had the same revelation. I didn't know what a makeup light was. I just had a little tube light above me, you know, and you do the hair, and, and as you get older, you do the bald spot thing where you try to, oh, forget it, never mind. But these women have this mirror, and they push a button, and this Star Trek light hits them, like, and you go, oh my goodness, you see all types of impurities and imperfections, and pardon me, blackheads and whiteheads, and all kind of heads on there, and you know, a little reptile living up here, you got all this stuff going on. And that's why they get out the, the paint roller of Merle Norman. And they roll that thing and roll that thing. Y'all know I'm being funny because medicine goes down a little better with, you know, with a little bit of laughter. No, what they do is you say, baby, I think you're beautiful. But then they put that Q-beam on them and you go, oh. And then the wife says, come here and sit down. Uh-uh. Because if you find that on you and you scrubbing and doing tape ripping off, ain't no telling what you're going to find. No, 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 no. Just keep doing your thing, baby. Just do whatever you got to do. See, we don't want there to be a light of God's word. 
And we don't want to come under a final authority. That's why churches by the thousands are saying, well, God's word is not the inerrant word of God anymore. And it's kind of mixed with myths and theories and everything. Because if you turn that light, that light down enough, we're all okay. We're all okay. But when you walk into the light of God's presence, when you open up the light of God's word, when you fellowship with the light of spirit-filled believers, and you come in a church where the pastor and the elders and the teachers, we're no one. Do you hear me? We're saved by grace, not of our works. There's no righteousness. That light, it doesn't make you feel wormish. It makes you be aware of your shortcomings so you walk looking for mercy and grace for your life so there's no haughtiness or pride. But yeah, we discredit the word of God every chance we get because if it's true and I stand under that light and I'm a sinner, then I'm left with a choice. And y'all know that you come here. I don't take Sundays and just talk about other churches and other denominations. And that's not what I'm doing. But listen to me. Don't you buy this watered down gospel that doesn't make you guilty before the Lord. A, a bloodless gospel, a Christless gospel says that you just need to turn your life around and live better. Christ died revealing God's sentence for our sins. We don't modify our life. We exchange our life. We receive a resurrection. That old man has been sentenced to die. We all have the similar system, uh, symptoms though. The works of the flesh, the aversion of God's light, and then man-made, man-made coverings. When Adam and Eve sinned and they knew they were naked... Their eyes were opened and they were ashamed at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Earthly coverings. Inadequate coverings. Unacceptable coverings. Coverings that treat the shame but not the sin. That's what we do. We cover our nakedness with good works. Well, I work for Habitat for Humanity, which is a wonderful thing. I serve with Jay's Hope. Wonderful, wonderful. I help feed kids, orphans all over the world. Wonderful. But your nakedness is not before men. If it were before men, you could use an earthly covering to cover it. Your nakedness is before God. And he doesn't accept works as a covering. So when Adam and Eve worked and gathered the fig leaves or whatever type of leaves it was and covered themselves, it was not sufficient. God covered them with the skin of an animal to show the future type. It was a foreshadowing of the Jesus that come. So if you kill an animal, God killed it. A flawless, sinless, spotless animal, more than likely a lamb, and covered them with the skin. What was on the underside of that skin? Blood. It was a type of us when we put on the Lord Jesus God looks past, looks past our sin because the penalty's been paid. I know people that cover their nakedness with generosity, which is a wonderful thing, but it's an insufficient thing. You cover it with religious works, attendance. I sing on the worship team, inadequate, insufficient. I pastor a church, inadequate, insufficient. The covering is either earthly or heavenly. And earthly coverings are not sufficient. 
Another unmistakable symptom is deception. Deception is like bad breath. You're the last one to know. Because if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. Let me show you how the world is deceived. And by the world, I mean those outside the kingdom of God who now have the mind of God and the heart of God and they see things more clearly. Watch this. I know that I'll, I'll say our world, our nation, as it's displayed over television and internet. I know we are deceived by what we value. Kelly and I, the Lord blessed us to have a, a place in Florida. And when the sea turtles come in to lay eggs, it is like an act of Congress has taken over. They rope them off. They have people that watch them 24-7, stay around them. And if you harm an egg, it is a felony. You go to jail, catfish, to jail. But it's an egg. No, it's a turtle. It's a, it's a living, breathing turtle, and it's, it's almost extinct, and you killed a turtle. But you can go in the womb of a woman and kill a baby, and they say, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. Only delusion could reason as such. If in the egg it is living, then in the egg it is living. And one is an animal with no soul and no spirit. And one is created in the image of God. But deception doesn't like facts. It creates its own facts, surrounds itself with a subculture that believes the same foolishness. And because I'm blind and you're blind, nobody says anything. That's truth right there. That's just truth. We know we're deceived over our priorities. Where pleasure is over purpose. Pleasure over purpose. Living it up over a legacy. We know we're deceived by our choices. Temporal over eternal. Flesh over spirit. We know we're deceived because we stay in destructive places. Decaying places and in harmful relationships. We know we're deceived by not knowing the lateness of the hour and the trajectory the world is traveling in. I feel like I'm preaching so fast, y'all. Please forgive me. I got so much stuff and I might just not get to all of it. But let me, let me just touch on world events for just a moment separate from our uh, notes. I'm not a um, scholar on last day events and prophecy. So there are many men in this city that know way m much more than me. But I will offer to you my limited understanding of where we're at. Ever since I was a little boy, I've heard we're in the last days. We're in the last days. But the period of my lifetime is a last day period. It's not if it didn't happen in 10 years or 20 years. All events that were to happen before the return of Jesus Christ have happened. Okay? And I know there are people on all sides, pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. But either way, whether Christ comes in the beginning, in the middle, or the end, I'm leaving. I'm leaving it, whichever one he comes in. But now listen, as you pray for the peace of Jerusalem and you pray for the world and you pray for our nation, understand that the world is still going to come together and attack Jerusalem. All the nations are going to attack Jerusalem. And my prayer is that we're not mixed in among those nations. Don't you worry about Israel. In every war, there's casualties. In every war, there's a loss of life. And it's tragic. Don't you worry about Israel. 
Because God himself is going to defend them. So don't worry about them. And these people that are so deceived and not seeing that Israel with their meekness and gentleness, you know, if, if Hamas would lay down their arms, then there'd be no war. If Israel lays down their arms, there'll be no Israel. And you, they can't see that. There's a, a, a worldly deception. And what it is is the spirit of this world hates the spirit of God. That's why they hate Israel. They're the people of God. That's why they hate the church. We're the people of God. But before you're in the kingdom of God, you don't get it. All you see is some TBN show and you go, that's crazy. All of them crazy. Deceived. And then finally, an unmistakable symptom is we're helpless. Ephesians 2 says, we were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this present world. One of the symptoms of those that are not saved is there's nothing you can do to get saved. Nothing you can do. Well, I can call on the name of the Lord, not unless the Father draws you. Well, I can repent. You can't repent unless God gives you conviction. And conviction is God's permission for you to repent. And people that come to church and fix their life, if that's how you feel you came to God, you are still lost. You have to come helpless, hopeless with God's verdict on you and saying, I am who you said I am. I am guilty before you. And if I don't receive mercy, I am damned. And that person who humbles himself in the sight of the Lord, the Lord lifts up. But the deceived person comes to church and gives a certain amount of money and gets their name carved in a brick and their name in the bulletin and they talk about their attendance. I want to be as clear as I can be to you. If I felt that I was dying right now, and I've had this dream multiple times. I, have you, anybody else dreamed that you're dying? We're not morbid. It's, yeah. You feel like you're going. And I've had this one probably four or five times in my Christian life of 30 years. I can feel my spirit man leaving. And I'm just in that moment between seeing God, leaving the world and seeing God. And my spirit shouts, and I've woken myself up talking. I said, oh, God, I want you to know that I don't bring anything, anything except the blood of Jesus. No works, no preaching, no church, just the blood, just the blood, just the blood. I don't want to add nothing else to it. I am guilty before you, but your grace is greater than all of my sin. And those people, the lowest, the weakest that accept the verdict. And when you see that you're guilty, a helplessness is produced which makes you look to God for mercy. And when I see that naked son of God dying on the cross, I see my condition played out before him. God's wrath being unleashed on him. That's him taking my wrath from me. So John Wood, how do you plead? I am guilty before you. But Jesus died for me. Then you, sir, are forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Because when Jesus Christ said it is finished, it was finished. My salvation was paid for. We all have the same condition, the same judgment. The wages of sin is death. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1 says. And what that means is this. You are tripartite. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in this body. My spirit is that which engages with God. 
My soul is that which engages with you, the seat of my affections, my emotions. If I don't like you, that's my soul saying, I don't like them. If I like you, my soul says, I like them. A soul is a mo- it helps you have moods and feelings. And many times people confuse soul with spirit. So my spirit interacts with God. My soul interacts with you and my body interacts with the world. So here's your body, okay? You wake up at 2.30 in the morning, nature's calling. You got to go to the facilities. And so you walk in, we ain't going to turn the light on because we know right where we're at. Yeah, we do. Lived in this house 20 years. And you split your toe, your big toe and that other toe on that dresser. And curse words gurgle right there. They don't come out. And then you stagger for a light and you put your foot up to the light to see if the split goes all the way down to the heel or not. Lord, I lost where I was at in my sermon. What was I saying? Hold on. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. I knew I was going somewhere with that. Oh, I decided years ago never to lie to you. I'm not going to keep just preaching until I find it. I lost my place. I didn't know where I was. So that is my body that relates to this world. My soul didn't feel that. My spirit didn't feel that, but my foot felt it. Deep into my foot, I felt it, right? Somebody hits you, that's your body. Here's where we miss it and we're deceived in thinking we're born again. Aretha hits a high note. You go, oh, oh, I felt it. That wasn't the Lord. That wasn't your spirit. That was your soul. It moved you. I like soul music. I like, I like to feel music. But spirit cannot be touched with anything in the world. Spirit is God consciousness, God awareness, and God interaction. And when you and I were born as little boys and little girls, our spirit was dead in trespasses and sin. So how can dead people help themselves? They can't. Helpless. Judged. Living in this world. And Well, John, I came to church and I, I cried. That was your soul. Your soul was feeling the words. Your mind was trying to grasp. But salvation is not of the will of man. It's of the Lord. He starts it. He's in the middle of it. And he finishes it. He was the offerer. He was the offering. And he was the one that accepted the offering. It's the work of grace in your life. I knew I was born again because I felt the Lord for the first time. I I saw my sin. I saw his grace. Do you remember when you first got saved how everything was so new? I remember walking in the Christian bookstore and seeing them cheesy pictures. Do y'all know a whole wall of just cheesy pictures? So I got some of them. Don't write me a letter. Please don't write me one. But you know the pictures that the... He's hanging over the cliff and there's a little lamb down there. I couldn't see anything. I'd walk in and I'd go, "Uh, I'm that lamb. Uh," And I would just cry. And I'm not kidding. People come over, you all right? That's me right here. That's me. And as cheesy as it looks to you, I was seeing it for the first time. It was understanding that he reached down and found me in my desperate situation. He found me. Deceived people don't understand that. They don't understand their judgment. That's why we are comfortable with wearing a polished gold cross or a polished silver cross. But it was a splintery, bloody cross where he paid for my sins. And I see it clearly because I'm saved. 
So did you see it clearly before you got saved? Not really. It's a mystery. It's like you can't tell which way the wind's coming from, but you know it. You can feel it. You just don't know exactly how God did it. But this much we know. Jesus said, there's a day coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. God called my name in 1986. In the same way he called Lazarus out of the ground, he said, John, get up. Well, I got a problem with that. Dead people don't hear. He wasn't speaking to my dead body. He was speaking to my dead spirit. And when the one that created me decided to resurrect me, he resurrected me. And that's how it is when you're saved. We're not saved by our own will or by our actions. We're saved by the work of God. I need some more. Number three. We've all been bombarded with hellish propaganda. Is God's word really true? That's what the devil said in the garden. Hath God really said? And then they, you hear this. When you die, that's all there is. That's it. When, it. when you die, it's over. Hebrews 9 says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. As long as you're a good person, you'll make it into heaven. Hebrews 9.22 says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. As long as you're good, Brother John, I think you make it into heaven. A good dead man? See, we are trying to decide how we qualify and quantify for heaven. And heaven is not our home. God decides how we qualify and quantify for heaven. The shedding of blood. The blood of Jesus. Which speaks better things than Abel. When Abel was slew, his blood hit the ground and he cried out to God for revenge. When Jesus was slew on the cross, his blood hit the ground and he cried out for mercy. That's why the blood of Christ speaks better things than that of Abel. One was wrath and one was mercy. Aren't you glad Christ's blood speaks for you and speaks for mercy? Another lie you hear all the time is all roads lead to God as long as you're, insin- as long as you're sincere. All roads lead to God. Are you kidding me? No, Brother Wood, y'all are just, you're too demanding you're too decisive it's just you just need to be more relaxed all roads lead to God yes long as you're sincere yes all right all road leads to, all roads lead to Florida long as you're sincere get on 75 north and sincere yourself till you run out of gas just keep driving it's going to lead to Florida have, have at it and that makes a carnal person mad because it's the truth. All roads don't lead to Florida. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And no man, no, nobody, no exception comes to the Father but by me. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. As long as you believe in God... Or repeat some prayer, you're fine. James 2 says, you believe there's one God, you do well. The demons believe that there's one God. And they tremble about it. This is where my generation helped to deceive people. As long as you come and pray, they look at you and say, you're saved. You're saved. I'm not ever going to tell anybody to save. You tell me if you're saved. Saying a prayer, or like, I, I believe in God. The word believe is not a mental assent saying, I believe that God exists. The church is filled with people that believe God exists. 
The word belief means, like if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Believe means to firmly and rely and trust in exclusively for your eternal well-being. That's belief. So a mental acknowledgement, well, I believe in God. You ever ask anybody, say, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to First Baptist. That ain't what I asked you. Don't ever tell nobody, I go to Christ Chapel. That's not the answer. Are you a Christian? I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sins. Yes. World of difference between this social gospel that's preached today. Well, I don't even believe there is a God. That's what they teach you. There is no God. And the Bible says in Psalms 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We all have the same opportunity. The same opportunity to be forgiven, to be given a new nature, a clear conscience, and adoption. The same opportunity to escape the judgment of God that's coming upon the whole world. Ben, if you would come, please. John 3, 16, very familiar portion of Scripture, but I want you to listen to it with ears as if you've never heard it before. Listen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believeth in him, firmly relying and trusting upon him exclusively, shall not perish but have eternal life. Here it is. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but sent him into the world to save the world through him. There is no judgment, no condemnation against anyone who firmly relies and trusts in Jesus Christ exclusively. But anyone and everyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. You often hear people ask the question, how could a loving God send someone to hell? And that's another sermon. But let me pose this question to you. Why would a righteous God die for someone like me and you? That's the question. I see my Savior beaten. The Bible said to where no one could recognize him. That tells me that his face was disfigured. That his nose was over here on this side of his face and his eyes were closed and his jaw was moved. That someone, if, you, if I know you, I can recognize you. His visage was so marred, he was unrecognizable. They beat him till his back was an open plethora of wounds. And they wrapped that cat of nine tails around his stomach and around his neck and his back for me. He wasn't beating him because he was Jesus. He was beating him because he was me. That was my sins. When he became sin for me, this is the proof of my condition. When he became me, the father turned his back, which is my eternal separation from him. And Jesus cried from the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, you've forsaken me. He heard those words so that you and I wouldn't have to hear them. The question is not, how could, judge, how could God judge someone? The question is, why would God ever die for someone like you and I? It's just amazing. It's a scandal that people like you and I are born again. We're in church. We're singing. We're redeemed. How do I know if I'm saved, Brother John? 
If you have absolute trust in the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ, nothing added, nothing taken away, nothing more, nothing less. If you've been born again, what does born again mean? Recreated. You know you didn't decide to change. You were changed instantaneously. Not perfect. You still had to learn to walk. And, you know, you messed your diapers a couple times and you fell. But you were different. Prove it to you. How many of you, like me, had the party lifestyle? And you get saved and you go back about six, seven months later and try it. And you realize you were ruined. You couldn't enjoy it. <laughs> You're like, what happened? <laughs> You're ruined. He wrecked you. He, cha- he changed you. That wasn't you changing. Changed you. You must be born again. Why do you keep saying you must be born again? Because you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. If you have repented of your old life, repented means change your mind about it, turn from it, and walk away from it. Unsaved people don't do that. See, doing that doesn't save you. Saved people do that. It's different. If the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're His Son, That's what clinched it for me. (laughs) I remember like yesterday when I got up from the altar. I didn't know who had prayed for me or what. I I can't say I heard the voice, but I was like, I'm yours. (laughs) I'm yours. And I remember in prayer how the devil would come and harass me as a new Christian. said, you're an adulterer. You're a fornicator. You're a liar. A cheater. Swindler. All these things. I remember it like yesterday. And I heard a voice in my head saying, you're a dog. And I remember saying, you're right. I am a dog. But I'm God's puppy. (laughs) I remember it like yesterday. I said, I am his and he is mine. His spirit bore witness with my spirit that I had been redeemed, washed, adopted, Don't be the one that writes Kelly and I and say, are those really yours or did you adopt them? I'll knock you to the ground. See, you can have a baby by accident, but you can't adopt by accident. He adopted me and saved me. So how is it with you? Final thoughts. I wasn't planning on telling the story. I just felt the Lord quicken it to me. I was preaching in a little Baptist church in Cordell. Well, it was a large Baptist church in Cordell. And I don't know how the Lord opened the door in there because usually they don't invite young Pentecostal preachers into the Baptist church. And I don't know how I got in there. I, I, I really don't. I don't remember. Y'all know when you get older, you go, I remember remembering. So I preached the gospel with everything I had. I preached it. And I asked them to come, you know, and they have a bulletin. You got to play the first, second, and fourth verse and the hymn of invitation, you know. And so nobody that I can remember responded and I'm just out there on an island. You young preachers know how that feels. Just hear crickets and would you come? Would you come? Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. And finally, towards the end, I don't remember if the altar call was over or not, but this gentleman walked up to me, very distinguished. He was probably near 80 years old and I'm just giving you the short version. He said, would you pray for me? I said, sure. He introduced himself. He said, I'm the chairman of the board of deacons. I've taught an adult Sunday school class in this church for almost 40 years, and I'm not saved. And I said, sure. And we knelt down. And I, that man, see, he's got the knowledge of God. He didn't have the life of God. 
and he he re-preached my sermon. The tears flowed down his face. He stood up and he straight. Thank you. He walked away. I watched this 80-year-old man. I heard the water break. I saw him come out of the womb of the Spirit, washed himself off. Talk to you later. The, see, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. It saves. So with every head bowed, I will not embarrass you. I'd give you my word. I'm asking you, are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know your sins are forgiven? I used to hear this all the time as a little boy. I don't think I've ever said this. If you died right now, do you know that heaven's your home? And if you know that you're not, then God's removed a little bit of that deception to bring you in. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you desire to call on him, then God is giving you permission to repent. If that's you today, I promise you I won't embarrass you. You need to settle this today. I'm asking Jesus. I'm asking the Father to forgive me of my sins. And I'm accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less for my sins. If that's you, slip your hand up and hold it up. Hold it up. God bless you. God bless you. Three, four. God bless you. God bless you. Glory to God. Nothing more. Nothing more. Okay, you can put your hands down. No one looking around. Brother John, I know I've been saved. I can take you to the spot, but I am backslid. And I am turning myself towards the Lord. I may be weak and I may limp, but I'm going home today. I'm going back to God. If that's you, slip your hand up. God sees you. God sees you. Wow. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. Glory to the Lord. 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 Would you stand with me this morning? Would you give me three minutes just to seal what's been done today? And I want to just talk to you as a fellow Christian, not as a pastor. Even when you have your theology right, you can stray in behavior or in what you think because of the bombardment of what this world says. Okay? It is nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it. But once receiving that, your works prove that new life. I did not change to be saved. I changed because I was saved. And it's the work of the Lord. So no man gets credit. I don't get credit for anything. I was lost and undone and helpless. And he found my hiding place and rescued me. That's our glory. Our glory is in his work. What part did you play in your first birth? Your mama winked at your daddy and he goes, okay, I'll follow you. Where are you going? There was a sparkle in his eye, became a sparkle inside of her. You were born. Did you play a part in it? Yes, but not a willful part. And it's a fine line between the Calvinist and the Arminianism. And oh, they'll argue it out. It's all free will and it's all God's sovereignty. You don't have a, a, a say in it. Which one is it? Yes, it's both. He chose me and you before the foundation of the earth was laid. So what part of your choosing him? 
He convicted me. He gave me permission. He helped me. And I chose according to his will and I was saved. But don't you confuse the work of grace with the work of your heart. I didn't find God. God found me. And God found you. And those of you that raised your hand, if you looked in faith, you're forgiven. You ain't got to strive or work. You remember when Moses lifted that serpent up? And if you looked, you were healed. Healed. We're winding down this age in dispensation. Christ is at the door. Make your salvation secure. Humble yourself before God and ask him, is there any wicked way in me? Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Renew my heart, O Lord. Shake off the temperature of this world because iniquity abounds and the love of us will grow cold. We need to have our eyes focused on him, the author and finisher of our faith with our eyes lifted unto heaven, looking for the return of the Lord so we won't be ashamed or embarrassed. Don't let Christ's chapel be part of your standing. It is what Jesus Christ did for me and I serve him at a local church called Christ Chapel. We're way down here. This is where I have fellowship. I don't need a preacher's handshake. I don't need my name on your roll. I don't need a preacher to put oil on me or rub me. Jesus paid for my sins, period. Amen. So those of you that are believers and all of you that are new believers, carve out some time today. Don't ask God for anything. Go in a room and with kids, I'm learning, you got to find closets and stuff and lock the door. Don't set a time limit on it, but let him hear you tell him, I know what you did for me and I am grateful. As a matter of fact, would you lift your hands with me and let's just tell him. In your words, don't use my words, talk to him. Loud enough for you to hear yourself, talk to him. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today. Bless you, Lord.